0: I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. Places, everyone. It's time for The Connor and Smith Show. Thank you, Places. This is a season one flashback. Do not adjust your phone. Um, I guess a dial isn't a thing anymore. Don't uh, adjust your attitude. I mean, do, because you're in for a treat. Um, so we were supposed to get Norm back in season one in Pride Month, but. He is a busy man, as you will hear. Um, So, here we are in the thick of this spooky season two. But here's a throwback bonus episode for you of us talking to Norm Corpy from The Real World, Season One, New York City, the best season. Um, So, we'll talk to him about everything that's up with him now. And it's a really great conversation we talk about a lot of stuff it's it's there's a lot there and he's a great guy and it was a lot of fun to talk to him so after this we'll be right back
1: for generations people in Fairfax Virginia have heard tales of the bunny man now bunny man brewing offers a tasty array of high-quality microbrews with a rotation of unique flavors come by to have a sample and maybe even catch a glimpse of the legendary hopper. But bring a friend, because you don't ever want to drink alone. Check our hours and see what's on tap at bunnymanbrewing.com. From Dathan Auerbach, author of Pen Pal, comes the chilling horror novel, Bad Man. Booklist raves, It's Magnificent, The Shining, set in a grocery store, The Washington Post calls it atmospheric and unsettling, takes on an aura of almost gothic menace, and USA Today says it's wickedly effective and saves its darkest deeds for an unnerving end. Bad Man by Dathan Auerbach, available at 1000vultures.com.
2: Hello, this is Norman. can you hear me?
0: I can hear you. can you hear me? Yes Hi Norman.
2: Hello you've tried so diligently to get me on over all these months and
0: it finally I, paid off
2: I, I'm here
0: <laughs> I'm sitting here with my co-host and husband Matt. Hi Norman.
2: Hi is did you say Max? Matt Matt I'm Matthew
3: a... like the first book.
2: Okay Matthew are you the, the Connor or the Smith?
3: I'm the Connor.
2: Okay, there you go.
3: Have you ever been to Arlington, Virginia?
2: I have been um, a couple times. Um, I mostly w- was in Washington D.C. I'd go in and see that that crazy Sean Duffy character
0: mm-hmm. when
2: he was the congressman. So, <laughs> and I think the hotel he put us up in was over near there. Is that close to D.C.? Am I am I thinking it's or is it um, or is it uh, are you guys not close to D.C.?
3: No, we're just like two exits from the Pentagon.
2: OK, right? then I, then that's probably. Yeah.
3: Yeah. You were probably across the bridge, like in Roslyn, near across from Georgetown or maybe up near Clarendon. Yeah. Anyway, um, because that's where we are. If you want to have a, a reference to where, where, where our living room is.
2: Yes, and I and I'm I'm very much engaged in the the FX um um impeachment with Monica Lewinsky, so I'm getting a whole lay of all of the the DC area there.
3: Oh yeah, we want to watch we we watched a little bit of it.
2: Yeah, it <laughs> it looks
3: really good. All, all I keep all I keep thinking though is like, I mean, not that we have to talk about Hillary, but like, what what is what do you what, what do you talk about at dinner when like this show is on? You know, know, like. Like you say, "Oh, hey Bill, the FX is doing a series about you and Monica."
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it's just very slow and pulsing and um it, you know, it's it's very drawn out. Like everything else, you know, you could probably glaze over everything else in that story, you know, go like, "Okay, whatever." But this is like, "Oh, it's taking a long time to get across." <laughs> okay well it would, it, it's well, a slow burn well, and it's, it's, not a,
3: like, it's, it's not like they were flying away to yeah. the cayman islands and having this like outrageous affair it was like they were necking in the corner and touching each other's yeah, no, no no
2: i know just sneaking around in, in like broom closets and crevices where i mean you, you got eyes on everywhere there you know what i mean like where was you know so it's, that's why i never ran for president it's so nuts yeah you just gotta go all fully exposed man go go going it going there all guns blazing. i mean that's i guess what trump was i mean come on that you're gonna get exactly what you're gonna get there's no surprises there
3: right where where are you norman right now what state are you in
2: i'm in northern michigan on the very um western end of the upper peninsula the blue and the gold yeah so way in fact half of the town is in wisconsin so Oh wow. Um, yeah.
0: Um, so of course we'd be remiss if we didn't mention um, that the real world, you you start on the real world in the early nineties. Um and then we you just had a reunion special um on Paramount uh plus. Is what's that is it is it Paramount Plus? What is it? I can't keep up.
2: I can't keep up, you know, and and they, they branded themselves in several places. A lot of people, I don't even think they even Knew where to go they kept going to mtv and they're like i don't understand and they kept watching the actual show again and they thought that's what was what was happening i'm not quite sure but then there's like paramount there's paramount plus and then there's like cbs there are you know it's like a whole i don't know their messaging isn't a hundred percent on top of it they're, they're they're working on it i guess
0: <laughs> but the show was great the reunion was great um and am i correct in saying that it got nominated for something
2: well, it was up for uh, yeah, some like critics of choice awards, were up for some stuff. <clears throat> um and I haven't heard, you know, if if it's garnished anything or um but yes, it w- you know, there's there's been some some I don't think it, you know the Emmys detected it, you know. And I think that's coming up right now, so I don't know and um what's going on there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, fingers crossed. I
2: mean, um, it's it's hard to compete with RuPaul and the eight shows, and I love them all. So, you know, it's just so you know i don't know do you guys watch the rupaul the 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 all-stars and the drag races and all of them and the behind the scenes and under the scenes Uh, and around we
3: can't we cannot keep up with all of this
1: programming. there's a a lot
2: of programming right i know so i think they were nominated and they took every category i mean it was just like you know the rupaul toothbrush and the whole bit so it's they're awesome and wonderful i love all those kids at world wonder
0: i mean we we used to watch it Mm. um like the first couple of seasons and then yeah. it just there. Yeah. Everything kind of like television metastasized over like streaming and everything else. <gasps> and there's 5 million shows to watch. Well, and now,
3: now I can sit in my backyard and watch TikTok.
2: Right. Right. And so I don't even know how you came across to even finding us or any interest in him. And so, um wow.
0: <laughs> well, I think there, worth... there was a special, like, generation time of watching you on the original series and well I'll, I'll tell you how because i mean you are a role model icon being like the first gay man like openly out on tv a reality in the first reality tv show so i mean a, a, a generation watched you and kind of that's that's why when i saw there was a reunion i was like oh my god i have <laughs> to see it um oh. Because you helped so many people come to terms with themselves and see it to be it. You know what I
2: mean? Yeah. You know, and and boy, haven't times changed. And for the better. I mean, it's unrecognizable. I, I honestly have to say, you know, looking at things today is unrecognizable. I mean, I left an area in Michigan to go find my own kind, to go to New York and bigger cities where there was someone like me. And that, you know, and I did there. I just knew that there were people like me, you know, and there wasn't internet and there wasn't anything. And, but I did know that, you know, you could go to the bigger cities and find someone that, you know, spoke your language, you could say. And here I came back to my um, hometown during the, the COVID and they had their first gay pride. And like, I'm just thinking, wow, what an impact, you know, just like the invisible line of me going away to actually make the dirt so fertile in this country for gay people that I could go back with my plant and plant myself back where I I came from and be happy and safe and and actually um the entire community is flipped, you know, 180. From, yeah, that's so great. You know, like wow, you know, like actually going away to, you know, it's, it's almost like I terraformed Michigan for myself to come back. <laughs> <laughs> I love
0: that. Um
2: <laughs> Uh, very sneaky but i was like you know what i'm just gonna have to terraform the whole country turn it gay so i can go back out there
0: <laughs> um and i have to bring up uh the bunnies oh yeah so the I'm... chocolate bunnies uh that started on the um reunion series so you started doing uh it was around easter easter was coming up at the time and you started doing uh drawings of like pop art drawings of um Chocolate Easter bunnies on brown paper bags, yeah, and that
2: went through the roof, right? It certainly did, and it's just so the irony of it all. Um, you know, it was was that during the pandemic, and I, I talked a little bit on the show was that you know in Los Angeles everything was hoarded away really quickly and then you were kind of set on rounds of like when you it was your turn to go to the grocery store you know it's like you can't go between this hour what's your age and this and that and then you know everything was the shelves were empty i mean i, I pictured everything and there was like nothing to eat except for like ice cream and easter was coming up just a, a piles of easter rabbits so i was like oh my god this is going to be in my diet you know which was kind of Funny. And, um, so I was like, okay, I'm just going to turn lemon into lemonades and, you know, buy up all these rabbits and start doing some drawings and some, some artwork of it. And then just kind of create a, a background for my, my drunken podcasts or not my podcast, but my zoom meetings that were the big thing. And, and so a couple of my friends were like, oh my gosh, what's behind you? And they're like, oh, I, I'll buy one. This is so great. And so it kind of supported me, um, for a while. And it, it it's so it was so interesting that, uh, the, that people had connected to this on the on the, on the show and and uh, you know a lot of my roommates you know we get so busy in our lives and it's been so many like thirty years um, since we've seen each other so um, you know you, you, I, they just think of Norm like okay Norm's always okay Norm's doing fine and so I think they were kind of <laughs> taken aback. And, you know, it was also a little bit of trepidation of coming back. It's kind of like a reunion and you're like, oh, the most just to succeed. You're like the biggest failure They <laughs> come back to do this show. Um, but it, it turned out to be really awesome that, um, you know, Kevin and Heather and, and the whole gang, just said oh we're gonna just you know see you through on this you know we're gonna get you up and running i'm like i'm not a very good social media person i'm very dyslexic and you know i don't like to write a whole bunch and uh, so they, you know they, they got me on a nice little course here and uh and surprisingly a lot so many people have connected to it and i'm still painting today like i literally painted straight through july and then i needed to kind of take a break and do some stuff and um i informed some people that i'm going to try to get back and do some more some more some more artwork here um it's very interesting because um just a sneaky peek is that um yes uh, uh there's more art coming up and well maybe i'll get into that the the sneaky moment towards the end of the show i'll give you a hot juicy hot potato oh good I, I,
0: I love that I love that they all kind of I may have cried a little like when they all kind of teamed up to help you because it's just that moment you always wish for and hope for from your group of friends or family and to see it happen and turn around it was very moving um and and let's also talk about like how you got to where you were with you know you were uh you invented like a kind of desk right
2: yeah that my computer is sitting on right at the moment
0: (laughs) can you tell us a little about that and what what I I think manufacturing stopped because of pandemic right
2: right I mean and unfortunately with um the last administration they put a lot of tariffs which helped slow it I mean it was like two collisions at once trying to force people, you know, and you, when you're small, that's what America's about. It's like someone that has an idea and can make it happen, you know, and I don't have the resources of giant corporations that can go like, okay, I can have a factory here. Or I can move it or do whatever, you know? So for someone like me, when there isn't an industry, I mean, I looked everywhere to manufacture and do this in America and that would have been great. But that wasn't the case. And I spent a lot of time going from states to state looking for injection factories and people that would do molds. And they just made their own widgets. You know, they, they made their own little tackle box made out of plastic. They, you know, they weren't going <clears> to <throat> give up their machines to make anything else. So <clears throat> China is like a Xerox shop. You know, it's like, you know, they've got designed like you want printing here, you want car here you just go to the car city or you just go whatever and they're just generic factories that just will make anything like it's so interesting i mean great detroit could really take a page from that but you know this my my item is is an adaptive stand and at the time it, that didn't exist either being a little trendsetter that i am but i found myself traveling being on cars being on wherever and that all my work was being done mostly mobile <clears throat> and i just didn't have a workstation that i could carry with me that wasn't you know that could really fit inside of a briefcase or a backpack and then it needed to be like a swiss army knife and do a lot of different things you know collapse be strong enough articulate in different angles you know so that i could work on a train for several hours you know, plane because the trays on flights weren't effective enough the from i'm six four so When you put a laptop down and someone reclines the seat, it just interferes with being able to use your laptop effectively. Um, and, And then you have such limited space. So I started to design a need and there wasn't anything out there. And then I found that the need was kind of great that I could like work in my bed or I could use it and put it on a table and then I could stand up, you know, because like tables are like 37 inches. That's kind of a standard height for a table. But if you stand up, your fingers quite don't reach down, you know, like they just, you know, you can't, you need something to prop up your computer if you if you decide you want to stand up. So this little device offered so much um, and there wasn't anything like it. So I, I was able to get several patents on it and then go to China and source out um, manufacturers and work with the engineers and have them trans, you know, they would do all the engineering work. I'd show them the drawings. We would make 3D 3D printed uh, models. They'd come out and I'd I'd say, this isn't working, that isn't working. It's gonna be thinner here. It's gotta support heavier weight. We would sit there. So I would just like literally be in a hotel around the corner from the factory design firms in China and Shenzhen. And like at night I just go check things out in China and i come back and then a whole new thing would come come get closer and closer to the concept and the idea and then we were able to go for it. And then fortunately with like Kickstarter and Indiegogo I was able to fund purchasing the molds which were a substantial amount of money. And then the first run of inventory which I was able to do about 5,000 units. Um, But what happened was that some of the units got trapped in China during this process of like, you know, the tariffs went up from the last administration. They're like, well, if you didn't make this in America, all of a sudden it it turned my product into being over $100 overnight. It was like, what? So I left half of the inventory there and I I was was successful like in Taiwan and Singapore and many of the Asian cities like pick this up and they would sell like 400 of them in a week. I was like, "Holy cow, this is great!" So I I had half of my inventory there, and then slowly was fulfilling all my orders on Kickstarter and Indiegogo, you know, with the other half of the orders. And um, and then all of a sudden, you know, the COVID came. I met with my Chinese team in February or uh, in January in the Consumer Electronics Show. And they got back, and that's when they found out about COVID was shutting down their country right before Chinese New Year. And then I was like, oh my God, this is nuts. And then it just continued, continued. And then all all of a sudden, it came to us. And by the time even this year, by the time the show ran and was coming up and running, we still couldn't get on a freighter. Like Usually, I would buy a space on a... Um, one of those freighters, like someone would have some storage space. So maybe they'd sell me like two hundred squ- square feet of something in one of those ship containers, you know. Um, so then I could bring over many boxes of these and um into our warehouse there in in Ranch Mirage and but we couldn't there's like wall everybody was so backed up they're still backed up like it's a nightmare distribution is still such a just nightmare so i I did bite the bullet um when i got so much requests coming to our um the website after the show like they're like i don't care i'll wait i'll wait it's just so nice and so many people were so supportive of me, and so I paid a very expensive UPS bill. You usually don't air freight things like this. I mean, usually if you get like ten samples of something, you'll want to see it, so you'll air freight it over. But you know, like four hundred of these things on a on a UPS—that's uh, that's like eight hundred and some pounds or more. um But and
3: wh- what's the desk uh actually called?
2: It's it's an it's called adaptive stand. It's an A stand, a hyphen stand. A-
3: and so if someone wants to find this they can
2: just type in a stand like yeah and it'll probably pop you over to our website i think we have about 20 of them left and then we're going to hold probably about 10 of them until we can figure out how to um and we have how to um remanufacture i mean i've been talking with them and even the factories that we use are backed up like the products that you know like i, I mentioned in america there's people who have plastic injection factories but they're only making their tackle box or fish whatever they're making that's out of plastic here right. and they and it's their brand and they're not making somebody that knocks on the door stuff you know they, they're, they're, their, their machines are busy for their own things so there in China they have um, um, you know a lot of these just manufacturers that just want you to run the products through that's what Walmart does or whatever it is you want to you know something made out of plastic it's these factors are there and you just kind of get in line um but they're back ordered like it's nuts and they've been able to raise the price and still these tariffs are in place so it makes it really super expensive and i've been trying to think of i mean my patent lends me to design out of anything like the original ones i made out of wood and then wrap them with leather and they're really cool, and some of them still have some of the original pieces that I m- had made. And then I also did them out of paper bags, too. I did them with wood, and then I laminated and did them out of bags, paper bags, and then laminated them all in and, and stuff. And so they they would, they can work a, a with a different way of, of manufacturing. So I, I might have to think about that, or I was thinking about, I don't, you know, I'm not sure what to do here with that.
3: <laughs> Let me ask you a couple of questions. For uh, this is because I am not very intelligent. <laughs> uh, um, now, when you come up with an idea like this, the first step is what—a drawing, or are you getting into a shop and actually fiddling around with the idea yourself first?
2: Well, I first—I I mean, I, I had a, a, a shop when I when I had my art studio in, in Los Angeles, and my I had a workshop. And so I did it myself. Like first I just cut it out of foam core and then out of wood just to see if I can make it. First I researched to say, is there anything out there? I was going to just buy one. You know, I'm like, I need something when I'm traveling to, you know, that can that would work in my computer and give me space and work on a plane and uh, nothing was out there. And so then I literally started building it from scratch and then, you know, and, and then using like tape and different stuff to put it together to, would kind of model it. And then from there, um, I was able then to take it and make, make drawings of it and then envision hinging systems, you know, inside of it. Like how each piece would hinge together.
3: Right. Almost like constructing a dress by draping fabric Mm -hmm. and make it look like what you want to look like and then giving it over to the factory to say can you make this dress yes
2: and then i would collect different pieces of like plastic and rubber and different types of material that was similar like the other items that were out there like i like the way that this plastic feels and we ultimately went to a manufacturer that you know deal and it's brand new so as far as like oh there's all these children these horrible stories you hear in china like now these places are all brand new i mean they're newer i mean china looks newer than our newest cities it's ridiculous and so it's all automated i'm like you know <laughs> everything's right. uh, super automated and the, the factory's brand new but this one was a medical facility that did um the plastic so the plastic is really long-term durable plastic um, that doesn't have all the chemicals and all that crazy stuff in there because it's it's used for medical. It's a medical grade plastic facility.
3: So one more uh, question about your patent: When you go and apply for a patent, do you is is your product described so well down to the detail? Because a you you of course can't copy someone else and no one. Right. Wants- no one can copy you, but what does a patent look like? Is it like a 25 page document? Is oh it yeah. Picture? It's a big
2: document. So crazy that everybody, it, and, and, as I said, my writing skills are so poor that, you know, but working with that, I, I eventually worked with a patent attorney. So I had to keep directing him because, you know, in describing everything as best I could to get the, the, him to put it more into legal um, terms, you know, a lot of it is based on the drawing. So you'll see in the drawings I did of uh, myself And, um, and then, yes, it's really going through, you cite, you go through and you, you research things like, well, for instance, tables, tables are invented, and then I'll cite a table, you know, and why is this different than a table? How is this unique? What does it do to make this more than a table, you know, right? And, and so then you kind of describe what you're, what you're creating new to the world, you know, from designs that exist, you know, it's like, okay, they're, is something that holds a music reading stand, you know, and it's got an angle and it holds paper for, you know, music writing and this and that. How is this not that, you know? So then you have to go through and continue to clarify uh, other objects that exist and why this object, there's nothing like it and why it serves a purpose in society, you know?
3: so out of all the boxes that this could fit into, mm-hmm. this actually creates its own brand new box.
2: Right. So then it's so I've gone beyond just a design pattern. So sometimes something exists, but you're you have an incredible design. You're very artistic and you make the most fanciful object out of it, you know. So maybe it is a table, but you it's a winged charred horse or i don't know something so fantastic that you can get a design patent for it you know because it's so unique as a piece of art um in my case it's a utility patent which is um it is is that it creates an entirely new utility so it gives it a, even a wider scope of protection so right now also people have been ripping me off because people who have money and now see the market and especially with the zoom and people not getting sick and tired of stacking their um, laptop on, on on books and stuff, (laughs) or, you know, people getting their necks are getting sore and all that other kinds of stuff. Um, They've looked at this market. Now that the market's identified, they've been ripping me off. So I have a lot of people actually infringing on my patent and I have to try to figure out how to reach out and get them. I started to, there was one Kickstarter campaign and they one-to-one ripped me off. It, what they did is they just made it thinner. And that was the next iteration of my design was that we were gonna make it thinner. My design right now accommodates a case so you can put an iPad inside of it and lock it. So then you could put it, you know, something in storage. But as people traveled, the feedback was, is that, you know, I really don't need that case, you know, with the iPads keep switching sizes and it doesn't fit mine, this and that and the other. So it's, it seemed like I could eliminate that particular feature and shrink it down by another quarter of an inch and make it even thinner. And that way, you know, it would give people more room when they're traveling for their other items. So that was one of the things that people say, oh, I, I love it. And I use it around my house, around the clock. But if, as far as like traveling, I wish it was just a little bit thinner. And so we were looking into that and, um, that was one of the conversations that I was having with my team in China and, and also making it kind of like Wonder Woman's like plane invisible. So you can see right through it too. So that, you know, that's kind of a nice feature when you're working on a plane, you can see down below cause you can store stuff when you open it up inside. Um, and so the, 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 these people on Kickstarter like literally one-to-one the same design, you know, they did just made it thinner and they don't even have, Intellectual property. So I was incensed, and this was like in the middle of just completely going broke. It was just adding like salt on the wound. Was like watching these people raise over a million dollars. Like I only, I didn't, I raised like a tenth of that, you know. And here are these people with a bigger marketing budget, just literally pulling in a, a million bucks. And I tried to reach out to Kickstarter, and I said, "Look, they're ripping me off." And you, you say specifically right there that you don't allow people to you know, take advantage of other IP and you're all supposed to be really cute and nice with people, but this is ridiculous. And their retort was "Look, like, you need to go to your lawyer and you need to, so then we, I went for that ladder. I went to my lawyer and he wrote a 19 page document, legal document of why three of the claims were being infringed upon. Well, then Kickstarter came back and then the clock is running down because after a month they released the money so if I could show them that they're infringing on my patent, then they are obligated not to give them the million dollars, you know? And so my lawyer like reaches out and then Kickstarter comes back and says, well, we want to have a judge's whatever. Well, you, everyone's in their homes. You can't leave your home and no one is going into a court. And if anything's doing with courts, a patent whatever litigation is like the least of whatever that anyone's going to review anything right i couldn't believe it it was just absolutely gobsmacking frustrating uh, 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 on that part and my my lawyer did say well just you know you can retroactively come back at these people you know and they, they can't get off the hook this and this and that um and So, and, and they have been moving their designs now into Amazon and this and that. So that's another thing is like, uh, I just need to uh, go out there and get at that. But they're, they're, they're one of about 12 people right now that are infringing on, on the patent, but it's, it's really hard to do all of this type of (laughs) this work. It really is a company that needs 30 people running it, you know? Okay. Yeah,
3: and I guess even now with uh, social media and the internet and stuff, it's so easy for people just to kind of, kind of take an idea that's already been there, and I, I, I must be exhausting.
2: Yeah, and you know, and and I just I, I come back and just so thankful that I, it's so ironic that I came back and that art saved me. All of, all of these projects, like I, you know, I made a movie, I made these patents, I did all the, and all of these goals are always like I'm gonna do something really big and grand. Um, and then I'll do my artwork, you know, it'll support me doing my art, because who knows if my art's ever going to sell. And it's so ironic that the art flipped around, because of the program, and with the support of, you know, my cast and my friends to really get acknowledged, it's, it's given me a little bit of standing ground um, with, with people very interested in collecting some norm art. So that's been really supportive and super awesome. And so that has been really great and rewarding. And, and and partially I've been caught on cloud nine just being happy painting. And it's like, you know, I don't have to go to China. I don't have to like organize, you know, bringing something into the country and all the tariffs and all the crazy taxes and then the distribution and the marketing and then all the messaging and, you know, all, all the phone calling with the product, the quality control and the whole bit, you know. And um, it's like, wow, I can go to my studio, I can make this and it can, it can leave me. Like I my hand is, is so much closer to the entire product, but you know I, I just knock on wood, you just I never know how long it's gonna last. So
0: great. Right. Well you you brought up in that uh answer, you brought up a movie. So let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um so you made a film about uh 20 about these bitches stealing his idea
3: on Amazon.
0: Uh no. Uh, about uh, it's called the wedding video. It was yeah. about twenty years ago, um, and it is having a little bit of a moment, right?
2: I know. Gosh, could it? Be, and twenty years, all these things. Yes, twenty years. Um, as and so, some of the film festivals have been reaching out to me, and and QFest in Houston. Um, it's they're like, you know, this is. They said we've been going through our vault, trying to like think of uh, what was one of the funniest movies we, we ever had. And, and, and hands down yours by far was the funniest movie we've had here. And it would be an honor for us to bring it back. And we'd, you know, we'd love to bring in Heather and we'd love to bring in Julie and some of your castmates. And, you know um, maybe we can even bring in Dan Renzi cause they love him. And, and he's a good reporter. He could like moderate. So they had really big plans coming into this whole thing. And, Unfortunately, this Delta variant and theaters are just getting pummeled. They're being destroyed. It's just, it's awful, awful, awful. So they're really down to just now one or two theaters when they had a much bigger footprint. And now this hurricane came through Houston. God bless them. So the festival is coming up at the end of September and it's going to run for a week. So they just got a partner. And they're going to move a lot of the films, including mine, into a digital space. And I don't want to take up their their budget as they're struggling terribly um, to fly my cast and me in. Um, it's it, it's it's the Gay Lesbian Film Festival of Houston there, the Q-Fest. And so there's a couple of new films and new filmmakers. And, and if they have any ability to bring any of those people in, they should definitely spend those resources there. However, with us, we're going to be able to... Um, you know, this will be the first time that our film will be digitally presented, and that's an interesting story in itself. So I think there's um, a way for people to sign on, support their film festival, and then you'll be able to go through any of the films that they have there and be able to watch them and and do that at the safety of your house. You know, abundance cautions and all that stuff that people need um, in these times of good and um yeah so but that's exciting so yeah and, and so we're going to get a little zoom together i'm just if you hear my phone bonking and bonking i reached out to my cast today to tell them that how how things have changed a little bit unfortunately with the regulations in, in houston with the delta variant and so um and see if they would all get together on a zoom and they would do something either recorded or live so i just wanted to give them a heads up and try to you that's know so organize cool. and stuff but um, oh my gosh, yeah, you know it was so interesting because when we went there, I think our film was shown at the at the Rice University. So they have a bunch of theaters. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Houston, Texas, but they yeah. have the these Alamo theaters, and I don't know if you've heard of this new chain of Alamo, but we got some of them in Los Angeles. Any like pizza or chicken or dinner or any kind of cocktail. I mean, you can do anything you want; they bring it right to you. You're like in like Lazy boys, you know, and massagers and these incredible films. So I think they came out of Austin, Texas, this branch called Alamo, and they have them in there in Houston. So we were going to be there, but um, unfortunately, I guess the regulations aren't going to happen. So, um, so online is going to be a, a, a good way. And so, it, and it's going to be, you know, able for people like you and other people listening to this broadcast. Um, to be able to go and, and see this, um, yeah, wedding, you,
3: may, you attract probably a much bigger audience,
2: so this could be a good little start. Now, the interesting my the whole project of the wedding video is, is it's a story in itself, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with any of it, but I can walk you through it. So, I, I made this at the eve of 1999, it would, it and um. And at that point, I had become friends with at least ten cast mem- ca- casts of the real world, all the way up to Coral, and um, I'd just gotten finished um, doing, um, I think, the Battle of the Real World against Road Rules, and we were down in Cabo and stuff. So it was, so I, I'd become familiar with mo- the, all the all the casts through there, and and their story was very similar to ours, you know, just kind of you know you're you're thrown into this life of fame through this real world experiment and and then you go into the public and a lot of people only see a little part of your life and i think i expressed that a lot with paramount plus you know how you know they just kind of dropped bisexual on me and they you know they just they didn't clarify that with me they just kind of released it you know they put it in the press and they put it out there and it was for me to watch and so that was the part that was hurtful for me because in my mind at that time, I already had been living with someone for three years and we had just broken up and, and I identified as gay, you know? Right. And, and so, yeah, I had dated women in the past in the high school and so many people, but I, you know, but they put that label over the top of me and they didn't consult with me on the whole thing. And then I was the one that had to live through that, which, a lot of the gay community was very upset and still upset to this day. Like, I don't think glad has ever invited me to even walk through their doors. And so they just felt like, Oh, bisexual, you're a cop out. Like, that's the first thing that the gay community came railing at me, you know, of course it was like, how dare you come out? Like, you know, just this whole thing. I'm like, I wasn't in control of the editing. It's not coming from my mouth. You know, it's like this, this, and that, and the other, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, um, And had they been able to, you know, it was just so early, you know, with anybody like me on television that anything was a positive in my mind, you know, you know, but I really wasn't. It really wasn't handled the way that I, I, you know. But what what happened was is that I had my story was very similar to a lot of people's stories. It was surprising that even when I met Puck. I had an idea of what Puck was. And then I felt like I fell in that trap. You know, I felt like I know him through television and that's not who he is. And you really should relate to people to get to know them, you know, (laughs) because it it might surprise you, they're not what you think they are, you know? And so many people were like this. And so a lot of the cast were sharing certain grievances and wanted to, you know, pretty much, burn down the house with mtv you know I, I want my real story to go out and they wanted to tell all but the contracts were pretty pretty stiff and we got together and i just said look you know we're just gonna look like sore losers if we go out and complain i said we might as well do something really creative you know let's do something creative and show the world and and then the, i think they'll respect our creativity let's show the world um you know, that you can tell a story and then the whole story can be edited and you can be somebody else, you know, and from our point of view. And it appealed to a lot of the cast members. And so they came in and I, I, I gave them all their own identity. I said, you need to have a duality. So Julie, Heather, whatever we, we own our names, so they can't do anything about that. I know that MTV was not very excited about us doing this. Um, So we really had to do a lot of legal work to do a parody and make sure we were getting, you know, not not confusing anybody that this was a real world episode or whatever, you know? And And
3: was it it shot with just one camera?
2: Well, we were going to do a whole film thing. Oh my gosh. The story goes on and on. It was going to be with Puck. And then it was going to be with that Beth girl from the Los Angeles cast. It was going to be her wedding. And then that, there was a lot of politics and a lot of tears and a lot of stuff that, went all over the place and this movie was like four and a half years in development redevelopment you know the whole thing but ultimately um it came down and then we had a lot of money at one point to do this and then we lost the money because you know puck went to jail and the financiers were like he's the big name and we we need that money back so we need him in it and so we we had to constantly pivot with this project (laughs) and um So at any rate, I was filming Rachel and Sean's wedding when they got married, and Rachel was a candidate on The View, and it was such a shotgun wedding in a sense that it was really rushed to to accommodate her to be on The View, and um, the two families were put together awkwardly, the wedding was put together awkwardly, everything was crazy, she's like, Norm, you're a filmmaker, you're doing all this kind of stuff, will you film this? And so I went and filmed, and it was just one disaster the next. You know, all, all you could imagine with a wedding that goes wrong was going wrong. And then I was instructed at the last minute to give all these tapes up. And they had to be like FedExed immediately to Barbara Walters at The View. And I'm like, oh, no, Rachel, you can't just let them have all this raw footage. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You don't know. I mean, there's just too much there that they're – who knows? I mean, you can't. I was like begging her. sister, please, you've got to. There was just so much – in these tapes that are just, you know, don't make for the perfect wedding, you know? Right. And and so it just dawned on me like, wow, we could do this whole concept, you know? It's like, we don't have to do really the acting part with the, with the screenplays that I was doing. It's like, really, we just have to create the condition and then everyone have a duality in their personality, and so and, and and let them play out the scenes as insane as they could get them, you know. And and it's almost like the like how we played with the fishbowl on my the original season, the real world, where we all changed personalities. We all grabbed a name out of that fishbowl, and then everybody kind of like I was a kleptomaniac, and then Eric became gay, and then Julie, you know, became a slut, and then you know, so it was kind of like that. I let everyone kind of be in control of their own personality and how they would want to express themselves to, to, to show the public, like, you know, there's more to us than what you see. Right. And comedy thing. And, you know, of course we, we, we stack the deck. So we set the, the wedding date on like August 1st, which is TV's the birth of MTV is on August 1st. Right. You know, I really wanted the end of like 1999. So, cause it was going to be a whole new, millennium a whole new century so i wanted like the whole idea of video to become dead and plus if you just tell the audience it's a video we're really not asking a lot as far as like what they need to expect in the terms of like a spinal tap so many people really thought that this was real so um and then of course the big surprise is the gay wedding so everyone's coming i, I it wasn't it was going to be a best alarchics wedding but um, ultimately she, it was, a, we had some problems there and, and that's another whole story, but it, it fell on me. So I said, let, let's just do this whole idea that I'm marrying this person named Sky. And then all of these people are coming and they're just assuming that it's because still in 1999, there wasn't gay weddings running around. There wasn't Gavin Newsom out there, you know, with marriage equality or all this kind of stuff. So people were still kind of getting used to the whole gay thing. But I thought it was so interesting that all the straight people who love me through the real world, and that's one of the big successes with the real world, is that the people that have supported the entire LGBT community on the real world, they were able to, you know, come to this wedding, laugh at it, and just make it a joke. All that joking, they could actually see real things like this meant something to norman this meant something to hear and the, all of these things are unraveling to where that sophomoric thing starts eroding and and the interest you usually track somebody's arc you know who's the arc here that you're going to follow their story arc the most interesting thing that i i and i've never seen this in a film and i'm going to just pat myself on the back is that the arc of this film is invisible. It's the wedding videographer. You hear his voice, and he's in there just like everybody else. He's there to make a buck, you know. He, the guy, this Norman's going to pay ten thousand dollars for this great wedding video to go to his Catholic, who won't come to this gay wedding, and he wants to show his family all of these friends that really support him. This is his way, and the wedding videographer is just some like straight dopey dude that's just like, <laughs> oh my god, ten thousand dollars. But what happens is that he starts seeing everything and he decides to change everyone's view to make something nice. His arc learning something and all you do is hear his voice and you see through his eyes because we see through his camera. You see everything through his eyes, but we never see him and it's his arc that actually changes the entire course of this this movie to like So
0: in a way it's like the audience so yes
2: and so the the end the end of the movie is like when you get to three minutes like the actual wedding video that he puts together where you see everybody's has been changed into somebody else and in that, so you see rachel who's been just and she's on fox and friends right now and all this stuff like that but rachel's just like a high rolling bitch and she rolls in here and everything like this and she turns into the sweetest girl you'd ever met met you know it's like (laughs) you know and that is kind of how the real world worked. You know, it's like Corey is in there and Corey came and she was on that season. And Corey was very strong and they turned her into a white girl. And Rachel was always someone that went out and did stuff and this and that, and all really strong characters on the San Francisco cast. And it was really detrimental for Corey. You know, they turned her into this like nobody whining little blonde girl. And she did and she was telling her all of her stories and what had happened. I'm like, oh my God, this is so nuts. So it's so Interesting that we had a cathartic moment, and we were able to work through all of these pains and actually make something creative and funny and non-threatening, ultimately to MTV and everybody else. You know, and we said, "Look, you know, we could we could pull, pull this all together." The biggest star of this whole thing is Heather B. It's like you always. I, that was the one thing I became very conscious of is how talented she is. I'd give her thirteen pages of dialogue to kind of go in, and literally, she she'd get them all down, and she was she's so real and so funny and her character is so nuts because she's just scamming money from everybody and then it's just it's the she's hysterical the stuff that comes out of her and just i was like i i have to go with the performances you know i'm like i went a little off of seeing so much of me in the wedding video to actually loading it up on heather because you know you got 88 minutes and you want people in there just losing their marbles and when I went to these film festivals, that's kind of what happened. They didn't expect it. And it went down to Texas. They had to add an extra screening. The line went out the door. I have a recording of it. And I brought the person from Warner Brothers and flew them down there to see this because we had already gone through so many film festivals. And people were just poo-pooing us because we were reality people at the turn of the century. Forget it. Plus, we got an incredible music score thanks to my producer and director, Clint Cowan and his connections because like for instance we got video killed the radio star we got all this music licensing and paid for it like you know sweet home alabama we have a incredible soundtrack that's insane like i can't believe it the movie got purchased and then was just mishandled by this company um and a lot of people never got a chance to even see it and because it was digital, they never moved it up to film. And we were one of the first digital films we brought up to Sundance. We were the first digital. There were four of us. It was like Blair Witch, us, and two other people. We had to bring our own digital projector. You know, They didn't even have digital. Now everything's digital. So this is going to be really interesting because the movie rights and everything last year came back to me. Warner Brothers, it didn't even know it was in their vault. And they had a, like an 18-year contract. They'd been sitting around collecting this. So wow. now... I have this whole ability to exploit this thing. Well, I was going to say, like, (laughs) this
0: needs to be on a streaming platform. Like,
2: I I know. So, anyone's hearing this and can help me figure this out. So, hopefully, this is a nice little platform to get a chance. But, people, gobsmack. And it is the performances in here are insane. There is this scene with Cyrus and Heather, and they're attacking everyone on the 405 in a convertible Bronco with a dildo. Uh, and, and like we were doing things like before they even put dildos even in movies you know really pushing the envelope i'm like okay something about mary was out there i'm like what can we do that's really going to push the envelope even further as far as comedy and now these things are like literally on after school specials like right. all this kind <laughs> of you know
3: um did, did uh dildo the
0: children's book
2: no <laughs> I know, right Um,
0: this is a very stupid question but i have to ask it was that really your mother
2: so that is my aunt paula who the bakery that i'm working and that bakery is where i'm working now which is so funny because now i'm back here in michigan working um like on the show that you see on paramount that's my my aunt paula my mom is very like um camera shy to that extent she's she's a big personality my mom but my aunt paula there's nothing like her i you know as a she's just fiery and loud and you she's just so creative and great and she's like that and I, she's got her she should be her own show she's always been that way she's just she's just just i you know we're we're, we're offering, cut from the same cloth
0: i loved her offering the pregnant woman a cigarette
2: um yeah rachel on the view rachel, yeah yeah rachel uh, <laughs> um, oh, well, that just cheers my heart up that you were able to even see little bits and pieces. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. oh we loved it. We, we loved it. We need to
3: call... Uh, oh, you're Netflix.
2: kidding. I didn't even, I'm i sorry. I didn't even know that you... I just assumed that you didn't get a chance to see it. I sent it to you so late. No, no. We, we watched it today. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, that's so sweet.
0: Well, I, <laughs> what, kills me, what kills me is that the recognizability of the several, many of the people in the the film, I mean, there is so much stuff on Netflix that, or, or any of the platforms, but like, this seems like a no brainer. I actually, after um, was doing research for the first date that we were supposed to talk to you, I read about the, the movie and I was like, oh, well, let me watch it. And I went on every streaming platform searching. And I was like, you're fucking kidding I... me, right?
2: I know, it just, it was there in, in, in nowhere's land. And, and so, and then a couple other people, of course, ripped me off. Some other weird straight thing decided to do a wedding video. I don't even know how. Where, everything is so copywritten here. This book that I, this, I have a book that's 15 pages or 15 inches thick of paperwork of every single legal thing that you can imagine from contracts to property rights to everything under the sun. And just all the deliverables that had to be delivered over to Warner Brothers um, on the ownership of this whole thing. And um, yeah, I just, it just literally, you know, I don't know, people, they come and they go in those organizations. And if it's so small, it just gets in a vault and nobody thinks about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it, it, There wasn't, it, you couldn't even stream video in the, that year. You know, it's like, luckily if you could download a photograph on the internet. So um you know, we did not have any of the capabilities that we have today, and that wasn't even a right in the contract. So, I always knew that because it wasn't even when we signed this off, all the digital stuff and any of that stuff wasn't even included as far as distribution rights on this thing. So,
0: so now it's all back home to you, though.
2: So, now it's all back home. And, you know, the cast has points on the film and I'd, I'd love to do a good little Christmas present and, and get it out there and find some way that, you know, either it's supported by I, I the many views or, you know, that's the whole trick is like, how do you get it known? Or and I was thinking maybe there is a new door at Paramount Plus because these people are looking for content, you know? Yeah. I just don't really I'd think I'd have a lot of these contacts, but until this little door opened with paramount plus you know and even with that they you know like i was going to say with my little hot potato they've already moved on to shooting los angeles and in, in new orleans right now oh and wow they're they're going to get ready i mean los angeles is already done um shooting um because they've been you know reaching out to me and they actually asked for a rabbit painting to go into the their loft they wanted to kind of pay it forward which was that wonderful best anthony it was a very sweet thought of hers um, to reach out to me.
0: Um, and so we, we talked to um, Andre uh, I, earlier in the year.
2: Yeah, I listened.
0: And he is, you know, he just had a show at the Viper Room. He's out there performing again, and his music's so incredible. Um, what Do you feel like the Paramount Plus show, and I don't want you to, do you feel like it was a more accurate depiction than season one was? <sighs>
2: In my case, um, absolutely. I, d- I definitely think so. Yes, and they definitely were sensitive to people. I think they were really sensitive to Kevin. You know, I. But you know, uh, but in all fairness, you know, those the people that did the show were almost as old as you. Know, they're like the same age, or maybe a couple years older. You know, I mean, you know, they were like 24 years old making this real world back then. You know, they were right. very young. <laughs> so. And not knowing 100% what was going on. And then you were up against, you know, people don't realize that the headbangers ball, like the, you know, was a real universe that people's mindset were in. I mean, people were very quiet and closeted because there was no way to communicate. There was no way that anyone, if you weren't gay, you weren't, there weren't a lot of chances that you were putting your head on the chopping block out there. You know, why? Like, you know, it was something to be laughed at, you know, it was, you know, it was, and until all of a sudden an audience was formed and that audience connected and that audience was large enough that those people all started raising up their hands and seeing themselves and all the allies and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we just didn't live in that world like in 92. And so it was hard to portray a lot of stuff, you know, I think as accurately. And I think they really took that to heart with this paramount, you know, I, I thought we were just going back to do reunion, and say, Oh, what did you do? Norm? Oh, I went broke. You know, goodbye. You know, we all <laughs> sat on a couch and like, you know, shared our little stories and our pictures and wow, you're fat and gray and um single and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I, I didn't think, I the You know, so once again, there was an element of surprise. We were supposed to be shooting much longer. You know, we were supposed to probably get another two more episodes, like eight episodes. And it just, unfortunately, once again, with the COVID, which is always kind of sad because, you know, we start the show off, we only get like 13 episodes. You kind of change the world. And then it changes the world so all these other casts come in. So now, <laughs> as the circus will move away from the New York homecoming to the other seasons, I'm sure they will be on a yacht and they will be traveling all over the world and they'll have like eight or 12 episodes or something. And
0: you got to sit in a pod
2: (laughs) and we got to sing. (laughs) So, you know, I would have loved to have been able to go on tour and go actually to the places where Kevin's books inspired him, you know, all throughout the cities, the city had been such a big thing. And we really didn't get to be a part of Kevin's life early on, you know, And there, because it was very standoffish. Like he, he was older. He could tell that there were too many shenanigans going on. You know, there was too much stuff and he already was two feet in a professional life. You know, well, we're still had one foot in adolescence and one foot moving forward. And so he's just like, I can smell a rat here with all this, these, this, this stuff that they're, they're shooting around you. And I don't know. I mean, the less I'm there, the better probably for me. Um, and now seeing the show and the impact and and just the outreach that we've had, it would have been great with all of his books and his experiences to kind of get to know even more with Kevin, go those places. And the same thing, you know, poor, uh, you know, Eric being all locked up. I mean, he's had some incredible journeys and some really great things. and And that would have been really wonderful to have happened. And I think if everything wasn't even as rushed, you know, there, I, I was always very hopeful with like Becky, you know, I, you know, I, I, I hope that there was a different outcome there. Um, And I don't know if it just, it just seems so pressuring to go like, Hey, why don't we just stand back and go get a cup of coffee or, okay, it's time to get a cup of coffee and like, what's happening here? You know, it's like, boom. So, and, so, and that
0: is just, I mean, I felt, I felt, I felt yeah. so, I felt for you because You were like, look how you're going to be presented. It just was
2: so awful because, you know, and I bless Becky and I love her to pieces and she's been very fortunate and, and, you know, she's had a very solitude life. She knows what works in her world and she makes it work and she is very giving and very, she wants to be there, but you know, she's, out of touch with what's going on with this current world. You know what I mean? It's not like, sure. Oh, let's throw her under the bus say she's out of touch. It's just that her priority and her vision and what she needs to do in this life is limited and she's doing it. So, you know, to be thrown back into like, I'm still learning everything about Twitter and all how people, and I don't even do TikTok. all these other things and how people communicate instantaneously, you know, and I could kind of hear a little bit about that because before we went to, to shoot the show, there was like a whole big meeting with all the paramount people and the media people. And I don't know, it was like 70 people on a phone call. It's was like, Oh God, you know, every department you could imagine was on the phone right before we went in and, and uh, you know, and Becky was asking questions and it just seemed, I was like, wow, I don't know if she really kind of understands what's going, you know, like how big things have gotten since we've been on television.
3: Right yeah and
2: and so and then when we were there i'm like she she's not getting it this is like i there's no and it just and it went on longer than what you saw on tv like there's editing like it went on for like an hour it was going on and on and on like uh, it was going on
0: and and kevin who i thought because of the times we were in in the first season and whatever he was finally given like Not, not redemption because it's not about redemption. It's just, we finally got to know him better. And also everything that he was saying was correct. Yeah. The first season. Yeah. Every single thing. And I've spoken to Kevin a little bit through email and I hope to talk to him soon as well as Eric. Um, uh, and I reached out to Heather and, and, um, Julie, uh, did not reach out to Becky, um, because yeah
2: uh, yeah I know we've we've tried to reach out and she's just she just said you know I love everybody I respectably you know and I don't like Kevin Kevin's not watched the show but he's gotten the impact from the the, the press and it, it is very he it is it is it's hard for him to see a lot of that you know he just has such hope for people And it's just so heartbreaking and and he just doesn't want to put his head through that. And I just, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate because in the early years we didn't have the cell phone. I mean, it cost a fortune to when I moved to Los Angeles to call back to New York and stay in touch like you can today. And so like that wasn't going to happen for another 10 years. And I just didn't have the idea that, you know, all these things that Kevin had been going through over this time and um and then just all of it to just come roaring right back you know during the pandemic and then it was just everyone so in their home and isolated i mean just the pressure of everything was really setting things off and an unfair advantage i think you know i think had a COVID thing not been happening and had you know and even if there was the issues of the day that needed to be addressed, whether it was going to come out through George Floyd or not. There were still issues there that Kevin could have continued to educate us on, you know, and maybe he would have educated us without George Floyd having to lose his life, you know? Right. Um, And so, um, yeah, so it just, you know, was rather unfortunate, but that's what the uniqueness of the show and, you know, we're 50. We're not kids. We came in there coming to be professional, too. So there's a certain respect, like, you know, you can't just not divorce yourself of what, you know, you're, what's in your background, too. You can't just, you know, oh, what? This happened? <laughs> what? Well, I mean,
0: the, I, I love how the show highlighted, you know, not only um, the the gay rights and everything that we have gained since that uh first season aired and we touched on that with you and your journey but also um you know with the Black Lives Matter movement and everything it really really was great to kind of show all the change that has happened since and really delve into that and Mm -hmm. how we treat each other Mm -hmm. and I thought it did a really great job of illustrating that and and that was why it was not to go back to Becky or harp on Becky or anything. That yeah. was why I was like, oh, there's a disconnect here. Somebody's not seeing the change uh, or, or they see it, but they don't, they aren't aware of, do you know what I'm saying? The, yeah. the, the quantum leap Yeah. since 1992?
2: 93? Yeah. yeah. And, I, and it was one of the reasons why I think I ended up saying yes to the show was that when the George Floyd when it was like in June and then MTV was like, Oh, we had that issue on 92 and they re-released the real world. And when they re-released the real world, all of a sudden you're dragged back into it. And so we were confronted with millennials who weren't even born during the real world. And they had their new take on us in Julie. And it was so interesting watching them rearrange, even with me with bisexual, all of that stuff, like all being thrown back at us. Like, they live in this world. They don't understand what that world was like in 92. <laughs> so I was like, if there is an opportunity to, you know, get the mic back, you know, some of these people have to really kind of understand there's like this, you know, and I, I, maybe I need to do a better job. And I thank you very much for sharing your space to kind of connect to a history that, you know, I, I think is not really well told. Like, right. I mean, I have seen a couple gay documentaries of the history of gay and stuff. I'm like, well, what are you? Maybe someone should have called me because I would have had some things to say about that. Right. I'm like, well, be left out. I was like, wow.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, you're an important part in that storytelling and in that story. And it's not lost on us, um, especially so those of it. those of us who were, you know, <sighs> I I was a teenager watching that, you know, and I thought, oh, this is what my life is going to be like in the future. You know, I'm going to move to the city and I'm going to have these Mm -hmm. kinds of friends. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's just, it's very impactful. It was very impactful. And so was the reunion. Um, And I do want to get back to, I thank you. It's been a a wonderful, you're generous with your time. You did say you wanted me to bring up something near the end about an art uh, thing that was a,
2: Oh yeah, so I think okay. I, I snuck it in there, and that's just that the um, the homecomings mm. are going to continue with Los Angeles season, the and that bunny's the bunny's one- going to
0: be in that season, right?
2: Yeah. So there's I, I sent a twin bunny for a season two. Um, ah, that's cute. Off through with um. With beth anthony so she was very kind and considerate to to say you know hey you guys did a lot and I, i'd like to kind of carry that forward and i, I just that's really a wonderful thing and and then i think that's what is great about the show i you know I, I hope a lot of the times they cast you know to for such to rip a cast apart they really cast people so diverse that are going to pull apart you know. And I think our cast kind of pulled together and and I just think that we're living in such time where we just need more people kind of coming together. I mean, I'm so touched with how my cast came together for me and that was just, you know, it, it just made, made everything for me. And, um, and so it was really nice and I, I hope the best for, you know, with Los Angeles, I don't know how it's going to come across, but I, I know that they ended up having a lot of, heartaches on their show and people being bounced out and all that kind of stuff. And so we'll see. So hopefully with some goodwill, they can lead down a better path. There's some good people on there. Well, Norm,
0: what are some of the links we can find you and your, your products at?
2: You can. um, Yeah. So if you just go to my name, Norman Corpy, K O R P I, Norman Corpy.com, it'll punch you right to my little webpage. It's, it's under, still under construction. You'll see the artwork and it'll bounce you From there to like my A stand, Adaptive Origins is my other company that I that I'm hoping to do some more products with. So um and then I'm on to to I'm on the the Instagram doing goofy things now and then. I've got my great social media guy, Joseph, who's awesome, who who keeps me focused, try to keep keep my my little numbers up and I try to make something kind of interesting. Um I'm hoping to kind of get something cooking with Julian Heather. Um, I just think that there's just I'm like it's so I just love all of our personalities and I was like you know we're kind of like Seinfeld I, I said there really doesn't need to be any show I'm mean, like literally you know there doesn't have to be a concept it's just so interesting when we're all together something's going to happen I don't know what and even if it doesn't it's going to go look for a ketchup bottle it still is interesting I'm like, right right I mean, it's just such an interesting group of people so it's like and kind of familiar with us and uh, I'd like to find a way to keep that going and not get lost in the but you know you never know hopefully somebody out there says gosh these people wow they can actually put together a a six episodes in like a week that's a that's tv gold (laughs) you're still
0: still the best season of the real world of course hands down so I agree anything you can continue to thread the needle and keep the story and the friendship and everything alive I mean my God, how many people are going to tune into the next sex in the city thing? I yeah. mean, people want to see friendships continue through life because it's a mirror, yeah. you know, and we thank you for being that for us and our community. We really appreciate that.
2: Oh, well, I, I thank you very much for your time. I really do Those, appreciate it. Th- th- thank you for yours, Norm. It was yeah. great to talk to yeah. you. Yeah,
3: Good luck with the film. Um, now, Will we be able to find Stephen? We be able to post something about where how we can digital find it digitally.
2: Yes, I think that I, I if, if I hadn't sent you a press release from the film festival, the Q. You fest, did. Um, they should have all that kind of information up on there somewhere. They should, I, I believe, they should have like links or whatever. We'll put
0: that in the description of and the then episode.
2: yeah, and let's just stay in touch as soon as I can figure out how to get this into a bigger mass markety area where other people can laugh at it and. Um you can enjoy my aunt. I mean we need laughter right now. So <laughs> yeah. absolutely you can
0: enjoy my oh aunt. Oh
2: my god. Oh lord. So yes.
0: <laughs> All right, normal, we'll, we'll stay in touch and okay. uh, good luck with QFest Q Fest and everything that's coming up and if you're in Arlington, look us up.
2: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, yes, we'll talk I will. to you soon. Okay. Bye. Goodbye.
0: Oh my gosh, that was such a dream. It was awesome to talk to Norm. Uh I love, love, loved our conversation and he's such a humble icon. Yeah, and please go check it
3: out. All of the the artwork that you can purchase a bunny to help him out. Or I, I think there's a waiting list. I mean, it's it's. I'm thinking like I don't know, like bunny little bunny bags for kids for Easter to collect all their chocolate in.
0: I mean, the sky's the limit with that that design. It's it's so wonderful. Also, the the aid a stands. I mean. I can't even imagine my brain working in a way to think about hinges. So that's, it's just another, uh, uh, evidence of how brilliant the man is. Um, but, uh, we thank you for uh, talking to us. Uh, we put all the links in the chat. If you guys want to know more about us, you can find us at www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an E-R. Um, you can find us on Facebook under Connor and Smith again with an E-R. Um, Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast. It really helps us out a lot. And as we always said in season one, turn turn your your heart heart into art. art. Bye, everybody.